Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as news producer at Nine News Sid, always giggling, always working, Karoshi, words my own. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition of the Humans of Twitter list, Katie Hale. <laughs> thank you. Katie, This, thank you for joining me. In social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Oh, um, Katie. Just, yeah. Hi, I'm Katie. This is what I do. This is who I am. I don't know. I laugh a lot. That kind of That kind of gets the ball rolling a little bit. Now, Katie, when you say this is what I do, yep. what is it that you do? There's a lot of things you do. <laughs> there, are, there is. Um, so basically, I'm a freelance journal at the moment. I'm working at Nine as a producer. So uh, covering all of the daytime bulletins, working with all the reporters, occasionally jumping on the COS desk. Um, and yeah, just kind of floating around and, and yeah, getting some news to air. Just casually? Just casually, you know, just what you do, hey? <laughs> Decode something for us, COSDesk. COSDesk. Uh, so basically the chief of, staff, chief of staff desk where um, it's almost like the logistics behind the news and finding and gathering the news so that the producers can then put it all together. So working with the cameramen, the reporters, PR agencies, police, all that kind of stuff that goes into the behind the scenes of actually gathering the news. You mean that the, you be, reporters just don't turn up and magic happens? <laughs> Sometimes, but not often. There's a massive team that goes behind it all to get it all going together. There, there would be, I'd imagine, a, a lot of logistical hurdles that, that come together in getting not only all of the stories, but the bodies like cameramen and, and reporters and stuff into places or into spots where not only they can talk to people, but get footage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So basically, you know, you're listening, there's probably 50 things going on at once and you're trying to juggle all of those. So you might be getting calls from random people at the public, you might hear scanners, you might get tip offs. Then you've also got, you know, press releases and things like that. And it's all about trying to jump and get whoever's closest to that, especially in breaking news, jumping to get whoever's closest to that there on the ground and start gathering as quickly as possible because you want to get those initial you know those initial moments after something happens well yes and i'd imagine with breaking news it can be super important to try it because it is such a race these days isn't it for all news services to be the first person to get the stuff to air yeah, it's a huge race, but it's also, it's not necessarily the first, you know, you do want to be first, but you also want to be right. There is, you've got to be, you've got to be a hundred percent and know exactly what you're going in with and trust yourself and trust what you're going with. You know, you, you see it all the time where someone, you know, as awful it is, might ID someone, it might be a victim who actually isn't, and it's just a, a case of mistaken identity on things like that. And look, it happens mm. to everyone, but it's it's an awful thing. And so you want to really make sure that all your sources are there and that you're, you're backing your own work and that you know that, yep, this is it, this is 100% right, and then go with it as well. Because, yeah, there's a big difference between jumping at something and being first and jumping at something and being first and right. And then jumping at something and being first and right and getting your watermark across the footage. <laughs> Nothing like a good jellyfish. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Katie, 
I, I am I I probably didn't pronounce it correctly in your bio. Yep. Kuroshi? Yeah, uh, Kuroshi. It's a Japanese um, word and it means work till death. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I know it sounds. (laughs) So I'm sure that you've probably gathered and anyone else that follows me on Twitter, I work a lot. I I actually just took my first holiday and by holiday I mean more than five days off in a row in four years just because, you know, when I was at uni I was working two as full-time uni working Mm. two jobs and interning close to full time trying to get my foot in the door and look at honestly it paid off I I worked really hard and I put in a ridiculous amount of hours and um but since then it's just you know once you kind of get that ball rolling when you're starting off in the industry it's almost kind of like you don't want to stop because if you stop you're worried that you'll lose that momentum and you'll you're kind of or not fall off but you know just kind of stop and yeah so that's why I've been going and going and going and you know between being sick and all those kind of things I've still just kept working and working and working and so it's almost like a little irony that I'll work myself to death but at the same time you know it's all the fun games I love what I do I am amazed at you, you news adrenaline junkie. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I live and breathe it. I can't get enough of it. It's, you know, as I watch and read as much news as I can, I'm always on Twitter searching. I'm just, I can't actually get away from it because it's it's almost like oxygen. I love it. And talk about getting your foot in the door for someone who has such a passion for for news and the whole process getting your foot in the door with the right team. You know, I mean, news is competitive and and a lot can be said and drawn from which is the better news service and those sorts of things. But Nine News Sydney, uh, the Nine News team across the country is, you know, easily one of the two best going around. Sydney is a super competitive market. And for you to be working there, you're working with some greats. Yeah, there's the team there is absolutely phenomenal. There's a wealth of knowledge, and you know, if you ever need help or everyone supports each other, it's it's a great team, and I absolutely love every minute that I'm there. And you know, it I I was really lucky to actually get that initial um, initial start there, I guess, because I I actually lost my job at ten when they cut everyone about a year and a half mm. ago, and was just left with nothing. I was I was a little bit, you know. Um, I was stuck. I, I had nowhere to go because I was the most junior one and there's 150 people looking for jobs. You, you know, you kind of think, oh, you've got no hope. Um, but I, a, a friend... Being junior means you're the cheapest though. Yeah, but you've also got to have the experience to back yourself up. There's a fine line between, you know, I was only at 10 for about a half mm. and a half, five months. So, and that was my first job in TV. Um, so I was still very, very green. You know, I was trying to figure everything out and and was a little bit lost as well. And um, and then, yeah, someone who was my mentor at my first internship who then actually got me the job at 10, um, they happened to be one of the few that got a job at nine afterwards and, and actually put my name forward to the chief of staff there and they, they brought me on and gave me a shot and it's kind of the rest is history. <laughs> wow, that is so great. Yeah, yeah, I've been lucky. I've been very lucky. So is there a point in asking what you're most passionate about? <laughs> um, I just like being able to tell people's stories and get that information across to people. You know, like I'm such a, I love the 
adrenaline that you get of you know being in there and especially in those breaking news situations and you are you're running off adrenaline you're just trying to pump it Mm. out and get it all done and get it you know you're working with all the other team to to produce this final product and when that product comes out and it's something that you're really proud of you just I I love it it's yeah (laughs) is there a story that you can think of that you would consider to be one that you're most proud of so far Oh, um, that's a really tough question. Uh, I think it, it's a fine line. I, I find it really hard with news because things that I find that I've done really well or things that I, I'm really proud of are also things that have been quite awful events. I, I, it's, mm-hmm. it's this catch-22 where, say, for example, um, for the Sydney Siege, um, you know, the whole team went above and beyond, you know, trying to get this rolling coverage out. And I, th- I can't remember the hours. It was something ridiculous that we were on air rolling coverage for when that happened. And it was such an awful, awful event. And it's still, you know, you see certain things or you hear certain songs and it still makes you feel really irky, I mm. guess. But the, the way the product that we produced and the fact that I was a part of that, I, that's something I'm really proud of. I was really proud to be able to say, yep, in this situation, you know, we're not saving lives. We're not doing anything like that. We're just telling the story. But to be able to say, yep, I've done this and I'm really proud of, of, of the work that we all put in and, and how it came out, things like that where, again, with the um, Paris terror attacks, things like that, they're awful, awful events. So I don't want to say that I'm. So, it's something that I'm necessarily – happy that happened but I'm proud of how we responded to that and how and the oh, yeah no no and I get that I, I can understand your hesitancy and I, I don't think that anybody would um would equate your pride at being involved with great coverage at being happy or comfortable with horrible situations yeah it's it's a, that weird kind of yeah catch-22 I guess where you're like we did a really bloody good job but it's out of something that's really really awful and and it's yeah. All right, Katie, it's just friends talking now. <laughs> okay. What's, what's what's the story that you wish you could have done a whole lot better on? Oh. Um as in like an like a news story or something like that? Or oh, yes, if you want to pick that. Trust, I don't know. I, I I really like I really pride myself of putting in you know the best that I can and even if it doesn't necessarily Mm. come out great knowing that I've done the best job I actually can at that or I've handled in the best situation that I can that kind of is my safeguard in that Mm -hmm. yeah so I I don't have a lot of those moments and I don't (laughs) want to sound like arrogant or cocky or something like that but it's I I try to avoid situations like that as much as I can by almost going above and beyond or, you know, overdoing anything that I can. Is it a part of your broad Katie plan that you want to grab the mic and get in front of the camera or are you happy producing, running the show, doing those sorts of things? 
Look, to be honest, I'm in a bit of a weird spot. I, I don't actually know. Um, I, you know, back in the day, <laughs> back in the day, I can't say that when back I'm 24. You're so old. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, um, look, before I, when I was still in school, I always wanted to be on radio. That's always what I wanted to do. I wanted to mm-hmm. get into news reading and that's what I, I wanted to do. Um, I did a little bit in radio and I absolutely loved it. I adored it. And then... I moved across to TV and I fell in love with TV, but I, it changed the way I like, it kind of changed the future and what I saw myself doing. I absolutely love producing. I don't, I don't think I at this point necessarily want to jump in front of the camera. I would a hundred percent, you know, jump back on or jump onto radio and, and go that path. But I, like I said, I absolutely love what I'm doing now and I'm, you know, the adrenaline of the TV newsroom and the and the control room and when you've got that stuff happening, I, 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 I thrive off that. It's, you know, I, I don't think I would like, I love getting out on the road every now and again and just, you know, collecting and learning that side of things, but I don't know if that's necessarily what I'm best at. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I think as well, um, you know, the last six months with being really sick, that's obviously changed a lot of things as well. And for me, and, and knowing that, you know, realistically, like, I, it's, it's tough, like, because I don't think, like, I'm not some. I don't have the looks for TV. And I say that, you know, not that there is a look for TV, but, mm-hmm. you know, like I've lost all my hair. I'm losing my eyebrows. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not exactly your uh, your TV reporter material, <laughs> at least at this point. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I Many would that. argue even that people like Laurie Oaks are still on television. Oh, no. He's, you know, it's, it's all skill. It's all what you're good at. It's all... Hmm. Um, you know, it's your talent is what gets you through and those things. It's not looks, but for me, for me, you know, it's, yeah, I, I, I much, I'm loving producing. Like I really, really adore it. So. Are you happy to talk about your illness? Yeah. Yeah, of course. What was it like for you before you were diagnosed? Um, oh God, I, (laughs) um, it feels like so long ago, to be honest. It's mm-hmm. it's it seems like a whole different lifetime. I know it was only six months ago that it all all kind of kicked off, but I felt like I feel like a completely different person. Um, I it's hard to talk about what I was like then. I can talk about what I was uh, what I'm like now and how that compares to then. Mm. Um, but I don't know how to describe myself before this all happened. It's kind of taken over my life a lot and consumed a lot and it's it's changed the way I see myself and I've I've kind of forgotten what it was like. Like yes. life was easier. Life was a lot easier. I was, you know, I was healthier. But <laughs> but um I was probably I was I wanna say I was happier, but I don't know if I necessarily was. I, I think I was I was a different sense of happy. I yes. I was carefree. Carefree would be the word to describe it. Whereas now, and, and, yeah, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, you go. Oh, I was just going to. And what what is the diagnosis? What have you been diagnosed as for your illness? Um, so it's alopecia. Um, basically, it started off as um, 
alopecia areata then which is just like a little small like you lose small patches of hair on your head um Mm -hmm. and then it developed very quickly into unit um alopecia totalis which is you lose all of the hair on your head and then I'm in between at the moment totalis and universalis so I ended up losing every hair on my body except for my Mm. eyelashes and eyebrows and now thanks to miraculous wonder drugs I've managed to gain back some hair on like my arms and my legs and that kind of thing but I've now lost I want to say probably especially in the last week I've lost about 70% of my eyebrows and I um I am starting to lose eyelashes on my bottom right eyelid and Mm. then I've lost my like my hair's started to regrow twice on my head and it's fallen out both times so I've just started new medication this week actually hoping that this will be the wonder drug that fixes it all but they don't know gosh yeah. <laughs> that would be very confronting for a 23, 24 year old young lady yeah. who, you know, has aspirations of media greatness of anyone, but just a young lady. Yeah, it was, it was really, really tough. And it, it, to be honest, it still is really, really tough because you, you, your whole identity changes the way you see yourself. You know, it happened mm-hmm. very quickly for me. Like I lost pretty much all the hair on my head within about three weeks. And that was, you know, that was, I ended up having to shave some of it because I couldn't hide it. Like I was pulling it out in clumps. Like it was, it was awful. And it was, it was also the stress of actually pulling your own hair out as as well. Like it's, it's this weird thing and you don't know when it's going to stop or if it's going to stop or how far it's going to go, if it'll ever come back. And um, there's, it's, there's just, it's the stress of not knowing and not knowing what to do, not knowing about it, not knowing what's causing it, not knowing when it will stop. It's, it's yeah it's very 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 stressful but in saying that I I've actually learned quite a lot about myself in the whole process of it so I'm, I'm now at a sure. point where you know I, I know myself better than I ever have in my life I, I've realized I can you know actually handle things like this and not only that but also I've learned a lot about the people that are around me um, you know my friends yeah. and my family have been absolutely phenomenal they've just you know they've they've been there every second and especially the guys at work I think I was I was most scared about that initial announcing what had happened because you know I hadn't told many people at all I'd told two two friends at work two really good friends and Mm -hmm. and then my two best friends and my mum and my dad had kind of told what was going on but I don't think they understood the full process of what of what was happening and they didn't see me you know they weren't seeing me daily like my friends at work were and um, and the the guys at work were just yeah I can't I'm honestly I'm lost for words with how great they were with it all they were so supportive of it and you know just even when I put the thing up on Facebook I I put a post up basically saying hey this is the situation I've just cut all my hair off here's a photo this is what's going on mm. I haven't told anyone but you know blah blah blah. I'm not and dying. I'm not dying, but <laughs> this is this is what's happened. And yeah. um and they the reaction to that, you know, it was more so for me just going, I don't want to have this conversation fifty times with people in person, so I'm gonna just get it yes. out there now because, you know, that's it's just easier for me to do that way and everyone gets the same message at the same time and it's just there. And um yeah, it was I was blown away by the support from it. It was, you know, it was yeah. Lost for words. 
That's awesome. To do a little alopecia myth busting, it's not contagious, is it? No, it's not contagious. Um, They actually don't know what causes it. So it's an autoimmune disease. Wow, even better. Yeah, so that's the fun of it. (laughs) Um, So it's, yeah, it's an autoimmune disease. It's just something in your body that kind of goes, yep, there you go. Hair be gone. Hair be gone. And some people, it's actually more common than you think. Um, so for me, yeah, it started off with like a 10, a small patch the size of a 10 cent coin last April. And I thought it was hilarious cause I had no idea what it was. And I just assumed I'd never noticed it before. And, yes. um, like me and my friends nicknamed it and just thought it was yeah really funny. And then it kind of started to get a bit bigger and then it, yeah, oh. took over quite quickly. But a lot of people have, have got like little spots here and there. And it is, it's just, it's just one of those things. I think stress is something that is a big trigger, but they don't know what actually causes it. So fancy that stress triggers it. And then when your hair starts falling out, you get more stress because you don't know what's happening. Exactly. Exactly. So that's, that's always, always been lots of fun, but um, yeah. Yeah. So not contagious. You mentioned that it you know comes out in clumps and you know you're sort of pulling it out. Is it a, a there's no pain in that? Is there? It just comes away. No, couldn't feel it. Couldn't feel any of it. It was um yeah like if I washed my hair, I would literally just I couldn't see my hands. That's how much I was pulling out at one point. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's yeah you don't feel anything. And it's not, it doesn't, it's not, there's no bleeding. It just has come out of your hair follicles. No, it's like if, you know, if you brush your hair and you lose a few hairs in it, it's like that, except I was losing clumps at a time. So basically your body, the way it works is that your immune system or your, your immune system, instead of protecting your body, it starts attacking it off and killing it. So for me, it recognizes that my hair follicles, they kind of sees it like a virus or an infection. And so it starts killing off my hair follicles and attacking them. And that's when it makes the hair fall out. That's all sorts of crazy. <laughs> yep. My body hates me, literally. <laughs> Well, it doesn't hate you, it just hates the hair bit of you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you mentioned that there is medication that helps manage it, for lack of a oh. better topic, but it's not really managing, is it? Ma- manage is a loose a loose word I would use. Um, <laughs> basically, <laughs> there's there's all different stages. So when it first started happening, I'll go, like, because I'm down to the last, the very last kind of option at the moment. Um so when it first starts happening, you can get steroid injections into your scalp mm-hmm. where the spots are, and that immediately tries to stop it. And you can also go on prednisone, which is a you know oral steroid, and that's meant to stop it as well. So at the moment, I've been on steroids for about six months, which Ugh. they in themselves do awful, awful things, um, and really high doses of them as well. Um, and then... From there, once once it kind of goes past the steroid injections, if you've lost too much, then there's a thing called, I think it's DCP, basically it's contact immunotherapy, um, which means that they put this god-awful substance all over your scalp where the spots and everything are. And it's it basically makes you cause, causes an allergic reaction on your head and gives you dermatitis to try and trick your immune system into attacking that instead of attacking your hair. So it's really painful and itchy and awful, which I was meant to start that. And then I'd lost too much again. 
And so, because when, I was meant to start that when I'd lost all the hair on my head. And then by the time I'd got the DCP to go back, I'd then lost all the hair on the rest of my body. And because they can't do it all over, it was too far, which then they put you onto immunosuppressants. Um, so I've just done a lot of immunosuppressants uh, called cyclosporin in conjunction with the steroids. Cyclosporin is usually given to people who get organ transplants because it brings your immune system down so that your body doesn't reject it. Um, So I spent three months on those and they were awful. Like they had awful side effects, awful, awful, awful drug. Um, And that didn't work. So (laughs) three months of of hell for for that one to find out it didn't work. Um, And then this week I've actually just started on a new one which is methotrexate which is usually it's a cancer drug um and basically instead of bringing your immune as far as my understanding goes anyway instead of directly bringing your immune system down the side effect of the drug is that it brings your immune system down so they're hoping that this one will give better results and actually get my hair growing back and actually keep it in place as well because the hair is growing it's just not staying there which yeah so who knows? This one, this one's got you know. I've been on it for six days now and waiting for the full dose to start next week, and hopefully that one will um, actually do the job. But it's all just a trial and error game. They don't know if my hair will ever come back, or if it does, what it will come back like. If it'll come in patches, <laughs> it's all just waiting. Wow. What would be the impact of, of if you didn't take this medication? Um. The reason why they're pumping me full of all the drugs at the moment is because if they try and treat it earlier on, there's a better chance of it not being as permanent. Um, Because if you leave Mm -hmm. it, say, five years, you might, you know, like you've got a less chance of then going, okay, we'll try the drugs now and getting it to go. In saying that, the drugs may not work. Like they, you know, the first one didn't work. Um, I could be on this next one for two years and not get any results. And then I go off it. And then six months later, my hair randomly starts growing back. My hair could come back in three months time. It could start coming back next week. They just, they have no idea. So I could, like, if I don't go on any of the drugs, it could still come back, but there's a better chance of it coming back and staying back. Like, sorry, coming back and staying there. If I, if I give these a shot. Well, I'm hoping anyway. <laughs> there's just there's so there's just so many unknowns with it. Welcome to alopecia update with Katie. Woo-hoo. <laughs> alopecia wow, 101. <laughs> That's so fun. Yeah. yeah. Although it, my my favorite thing though, like I'm just I just laugh at it now because it's just like it is what it is. You can't mm. you know. There's no point stressing over. It. But um. God, I love going to the shops and kids. Kids just have no filter and it's glorious because <laughs> I know it sounds awful. And if parent listening to this, if your kid says something, just go with it. Just acknowledge it and laugh about it because the amount of like it, it got back, I think it was Tuesday. I went to the shops and t- on two separate occasions, one kid yelled out, look, dad, that kid, ha- that lady has no hair, like the loudest he possibly could. I've lost it just giggling at him. And like the dad just completely ignored the comment, completely ignored me and just kind of kept doing what he was doing. I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. But then you get the parents who their kids will say something or they'll stare or they'll say they'll walk past you with their parents. And then 
they'll say really loudly like half a meter after because they don't realize that you can still hear them they're like mommy why does that lady have no hair so loudly and the parents get so embarrassed and it's just like (laughs) i feel sorry for them but oh god just go with it just enjoy it From a from a practicality point of view, and I ask this entirely yeah. vainly, do you, would you, are you going to get your eyebrows tattooed? Oh, I don't know, to be honest. Um, at the moment, I'm, I'm using steroid cream on them to try and keep them in there slash get them growing back. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I've, I'm penciling them in a little bit at the moment. Honestly, it's been the last four days that I've lost most of, most of, my eyebrows like I had I'd lost my right eyebrow had split into two about six weeks ago and it kind of didn't get any worse than that and then in the last four or five days my almost most of my left eyebrows completely gone and then my right eyebrows thinned out a a whole lot more so I don't know I I don't know enough about it at the moment penciling in is covering it enough but I just have to see you know when it kind of gets a bit worse. I also ask, not suggesting that you should. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. No, it's just I, I, I honestly don't know enough about it. It's, I, I, I don't wear wigs and I don't want to ever wear a wig. I, um, mm-hmm. it just, it's just not me. I feel like I'd be hiding it and I'd feel a little bit, not fake, but, you know, I understand it. some people helping them get through it and, it's, and they need that there. But for me, it's just not, an, it's just not something I want to do. I use, you know headbands or scarves or things like that but I always mostly have it out there because I think the the one thing and I you know I wrote an article and I went on um today's show when it all first started happening and I Mm -hmm. I don't cover it up I make a point of deliberately not covering my entire head because I like at the moment I'm strong enough to go yeah you know if a kid says something or people stare at you at the shops you kind of just go yeah whatever whereas I know people aren't like that because there's there's a stigma about Mm. it there's a stigma about women being bald and I was so scared to go out with friends because I was so self-conscious of it and so many people are like that and don't get past that stage and so I figure if I if I can make it a bit more normal if I if people see me out and about and go oh yeah whatever they see me more and more and more and I don't cover it up I don't care if people stare stare all you want because if it you know makes you feel more comfortable about the situation then good maybe it'll make it that little bit easier for someone else down the track who you know who won't get those stares because someone's desensitized to it I, I, I want to try and desensitize people to that, you know, to seeing mm-hmm. a girl with no hair and being okay with it. You're okay with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. And that's the thing. Like that's a, you know, if, if it helps one other person or makes one other person go, oh, yeah, whatever, that's normal. Because a lot, it, not saying it isn't normal, but people don't see it as normal at the moment because you know even like even me if I see a bald chick down the shops I will not stare but I'll like I'll double take because I'm like because for Mm. me now it's a more curiosity going oh has she got what I like does she have alopecia as well or is she you know actually quite sick and and, you know like I I find it curious it's more curiosity people are very curious but they feel they don't feel guilt I don't know I don't know what the word is but people you know feel a little bit guilty looking at something or staring if they want to find out more if they are curious because they feel like they shouldn't be like it's it's that really Mm -hmm. weird fine line where yeah that's why 
I'm just trying to destigmatize it all, I guess. <laughs> Do you think that it has made you, and not suggesting you weren't before, but that it's made you more empathetic? Um, oh, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, I guess. I'm not 100% sure. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess I, I, I definitely, I definitely, it's changed the way I think and the way I see things. Like if I see someone who's unwell mm-hmm. or I see someone who, you know, looks a bit different or something like that, like I don't take much notice of it anymore. Whereas before I think I probably did because you do, you, you're fascinated with something that is different to you. There is a, you know, human, it's human nature to be fascinated with something that is, that you're not familiar with. Yeah. So what are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? (laughs) World domination. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I, I always, last year was really awful. And I said to myself that 2016 is going to be about me. It's going to be about health, about happiness and about travel. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that's really what I want to achieve. I, I, I'm not necessarily, I don't have set goals in place in terms of career or where I want to physically be or things like that. I just want to be healthy. I just want to be happy and I want to, you know, I, I want to really take the time this year to not treat myself but give myself a chance, you know, take some time off here and there, you know, have many getaways, just have a bit of fun. That's yep. all I want from this year. In the spare seconds that you're allowed out of the office. Yes. <laughs> yep, yep. No, I'm, I'm very much, I've, I've, I've told myself that I've got to not, you know, I've got to look after myself. Because mm. if I don't, then, you know, going through all the drugs, going through all of, you know, whatever it is that I'm going through, it's not worth it. It's, it's redundant if I don't, you know, take the time and take time off for myself and, and have those little breaks and, and actually just chill out for a bit. I'm very, I can be very wired a lot of the time. And so I'm trying to train myself not to be like that. Not you, Katie. No way. <laughs> Me never. <laughs> <laughs> a woman who describes that her plans for the next 12 months are world domination <laughs> and describing herself as a bit wired sometimes. <laughs> oh, I try. I try. <laughs> <laughs> so what, was, what was that thing we started off with? Karoshi, work till death. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, man. Katie, look, thank you so much for for sharing what you you have today. It's very special. Please know that you're highly valued. This has been so great to chat. Thank you. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. So obviously you are on the tweet. Uh, Are there any other social accounts that you want to admit to? Um, I've got the tweet, Katie180. I've got Instagram, which is also Katie180. Note the letter O, not zero, because someone took Katie180 with a zero. I was very disappointed about that. Um, But that's about it. Yeah, just Twitter, Instagram. Yeah. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Katie180, with an O, not a zero, is indeed human.